It's known as the Toronto Blessing. If you're in Toronto, the Wonderful Church, they would prefer it to be called the Father's Blessing. Because many of us went from a head knowledge that God loves us, and many of us are like, well, of course God has to love us because He's God. That's God's job is to love us. But deep down secretly, I think we go, but I don't know if really God likes me. God has to accept me. And then the Bible, we read this in Romans 5, 5, Paul says, God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. And for many of us as followers of Jesus, we knew in our heads God loves us. But when the Holy Spirit pours the love of the Father into our hearts, it changes everything. And the questions of identity and acceptance and purpose, all that, they fade away because you know that God really loves you. And not only that, God wants a relationship And God wants a relationship with us. It changes everything. And we were changed. And we have the Father's blessing and we experience many of us for the first time understanding not just this head knowledge is important, but what's been experienced of our hearts overflowing with the love of God. And it changes everything. It deals with a lot of issues. God brought healing and deliverance and freedom. But you could say, chains have been broken. Eyes have been opened. God has poured out His Spirit into our lives. And as I said, there was a cost to it. Because folks, it was messy. There was a lot of crying. You guys make fun of me for having Kleenex all around. That's because our, my roots are in not and crying, okay? It, it was messy. It's messy. God brings healing. There's tears. God brings freedom. There's screaming. God brings healing. There's sobbing. God brings joy and laughter. There's hysterical laughter. And it's uncomfortable, and it's not very professional. And some people just said, that's not God. We don't want anything to do with it. It's a hard thing. So many of us had to leave our own traditional churches, and that was my experience, and that was some of our experience who are here today. And we banded together in 1996, and we were full of excitement and thinking, God's on the move. This is going to be awesome. We're going to follow God. God's going to do incredible things, and He did. But none of us understood how hard it was going to be. And over that year, we went from 80 to 100 people down to those 15, 20 people. It was phenomenal church growth. Because it was hard work. You know, it's hard work setting up every week, like many of you have done for years and years and years. It's hard. It's hard, and there's a cost. And we got to the end of 96, and really, basically, it was this. We're not sure we're going to continue. And we gave sort of a three-month God starting in the 97. If nothing happens in the next three months, we're starting again. Maybe you misheard. Maybe you missed it. Maybe this isn't you. And two things happened into 97. One is this. We began our first Alpha course, as it was called at that time, which was a 10-week introduction to the Christian faith. We were one of the first ones in Canada to do it in 1997. VHS tape in a home, Nancy and Cheryl Hawkins' home. And that was our first attempt to go, you know what, we need to give this love away. We've experienced the love of God. We need to share this with our family and friends. That was one thing. The second thing was this. In 96, we had sent Mike, who was leading the church at the time, to Toronto. We were desperate. We were like, Mike, go bring, you know, they're kind of like Moses sending Mike up the mountain. Like, come and bring back something for us. And Mike came back with these VHS tapes of a guy named Terry Virgo speaking, a guy named Dave Bellingham and worship. And we watched those over and over and over again. And Terry, who we'd never heard of before from England, what he was sharing was what was in our heart. He shared the Word of God. He honored the Word of God. He was open to the Holy Spirit. And he seemed to be able to do both, which seemed like a radical thing. He taught on the grace of God the love of God, all the different things. And we were like, that guy knows what he's talking about. Maybe they can help us. So I was with Mike in 1997, old school, phone on the wall, calling England, 
calling that church is crazy, isn't it? And saying, we saw you in Toronto. We're this little church in Canada. Will you help us? And they put us in contact with a guy named Dave Sullivan. Dave and Rosie were just here just this, this past summer. And Dave began to teach us over the phone. There's no social media, no video chat, none of that, folks, okay? This is old school. You know, it was bad connection and everything. And Dave began to teach us over those next few months on the phone. Theology, practice. And over those next few months, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1997, we had some people radically saved at our Alpha Church. And at the end of March, beginning of April, Dave's like, I think God did this. We're coming out to see you. And at the end of those three months, God answered and heard our prayer. And now we were responsible for these new believers, and God was sending us help. And so, in September of 1997, we held what we called my first love conference, my sweet church. It was gracious to let us use their building, and we needed, goodness, Gail, how many do we need to break even? How many? A lot. So, what we did is we needed these registrations, so we registered and we registered and we paid for five of our friends. We weren't even sure of coming, but we paid their registration just to boost the registration numbers. And Dave and Lindsay came, and a guy named Reese Scott was with them. Reese was from South Africa, and he was being mentored by Dave at, at that time. And they came, and honestly, folks, we maybe had, I think we had less than 100 registered by the time we started on Thursday night. And we were about $20,000 in 97 in the hole for paying for them to come over and tickets and everything like that. And did I mention we were like 15, 20 people? And somehow, and I told you this before, it's true, we were at my suite and up in their prayer room, and I just wouldn't leave the prayer room because I thought we're going to come down and there's going to be no one there. And the embarrassment and just like, oh, we thought we were in this place. And lo and behold, I came down, I heard the music playing, and somehow the place was full. I don't... I can't explain it. That was a Thursday night. And by Saturday night, it was packed. And over those 40 guys, God moved in powerful way. Folks, you could feel the light of God's glory in the room. And people, I think, you know, this is like people being healed. We had ministers from different churches in our city come as word got out. People are repenting. Giving up, asking forgiveness for disunity. Like, it was an incredible thing. Powerful. But then, that was incredible. But then Sunday morning, guess what? The conference was over. We were back to our little church. And we met at the one, one at the Hobby Hill. I forget what hotel it is now, up on Clark Street. And we met again, and we were our 30 people. And as much as powerful as that conference was, 30 people. Sunday morning, we kind of lost the oomph of that powerful conference. And Dave spoke that morning on Adullam's Cave, and David being at Adullam's Cave and being at a very low point. And Dave said to us, Do you really believe God's called you out? God has a purpose and plan for your life that you're going to go to the nations, and the nations are going to come here. And we're kind of like, Oh, we believe. Lord, help us in our unbelief. But God did something in my heart that morning. It wasn't so much the conference, it was that Sunday morning when it was back to 30 of us. But God put something in my heart that I knew God's in this. And no matter what's going to happen, God's going to build a church. And from that morning on, I knew God was in this. So I'm going to take a time out, and I just want to thank some people who have been here all the way along. So Tim and Leo, Leo, you're here. This is Tim's serving upstairs. Do you mind just standing for a second? I'm going to put you up. And by extension, I'm going to say Chelsea, even though I'm joking. Yeah, I know. But it's still part of the family. Come on, Chelsea, get up. Nancy and Cyril, Joshua and Kayla. Kayla shared this morning. By extension, Gail and Wilf, I'm counting you in, Wilf. Get up there. Angela. Myself. Am I missing anyone? I can't see, so I'm like some 
96 boy here. Ready? Get up there. Folks, can I just say thank you because these dear people hung on that far. And I just want to thank them for persevering through 96, almost 27 years. Can you just give them thank you? In 97, Kelly got saved, Myra Lee, Stephen Christopher, Bronwyn, 98, John and Pam Moore, Teddy Beaver, Pete and Donna, Gary and Barb, Trevor, came along Jody, like so many different people. And then God did this. God began to send people. Your Godwin's were just here a couple weeks ago. He was back to England. Olive Hazel, Kim and Emma, Karen, Judy, Izzy, the Lemon. The list goes on. God provided people as well. So I'm going to take a time out here. And we put together this. It's just a little video clip of some of the early days. So Josh Glaber said it well this morning. He said, this is the retro boogie dance party. Without the retro, it was the real, it was the OG of all of us. So guys, if you can just play that for a minute, and then I'll pick up the story.
right? Little thought, some nice pictures, you know, again, say so much. All right. Well, God was kind to us. And through our relationship with Dave and Mary Lou and these friends here, over the uh, next number of years, God brought us into a family of churches. And in 2002, Dave and Mary Lou came here for three months, lived with us for three months to help really get us established. And over the next probably 10 years, we had Don and Stephanie Smith from England come and be with us so many times to help lay foundations in the grace of God, lay foundations in leadership and spiritual gifts, lay foundations Holy Spirit, mission, church planting, all those different things. And then in 2009, at one of our prayer meetings, when Jeremy and Ann Simpson from England were here with us for the first time, Kim prayed this prayer, just beginning to pray for towns, cities in our Atlantic Canada that have universities. And God just dropped something in my heart, Jerry's heart, others, all at the same time. Just this vision of seeing us established help churches in these 12 towns and cities, Atlanta, Canada, have universities and colleges. And that began something of really helping to shape some vision, strategy for us. And by God's grace, we've been able to uh, do that. And just in God's economy, as God does, just as we were beginning to formulate and share that vision, strategy, and everything, God threw us a little bit of a curveball. Our first church plant that we helped was actually in Throw strategy aside, over 5,000 kilometers away. But you remember me telling that story the first time Dave and Rosie came in 97, a guy named Reese Scott from South Africa came? Reese and Sarah, who then led churches in England, called, called the Vancouver, and we partnered with them just in God's time. His first time in Canada was in 97. That's when God began a call for him to come to Canada, and we were able to be involved in that church, which has done really well and is now involved in planning churches, and I'll be out there in February with them. So an amazing story. And then us, early days, beginning to plant into Charlottetown, being able to help our friends in Wolfville, being able to see how God has fulfilled His promises that we believe He's given us to our church to be humble, come, and into that place, sending, receiving, and we're looking to do that again next year from the team to Dartmouth. And you have to understand the stalemate and the history to understand what we're about today and what we're about to do in the future. Now, folks, as I said, it's messy. And if you read the New Testament, it's messy. There's highs, there's lows. People follow Jesus, people fall away. Things are attempted, things appear to fail, at least in short term. And folks, we had some hard times. We've made some mistakes. We've had some things not go well. So I don't want to hype anything at all. This is the reality. We're in a battle. It's spiritual warfare. Things that come against God's church seeking to go forward. So we're thankful that we're fully aware that it's a battle that we are where we are today. But God is faithful. And God has put us into this family called New Frontier. And about 10 years ago, as this church family grew and grew, thousands of churches all around the world. And Terry, who's been here with us, is sort of the father of that movement. And as Terry was getting into his 70s, everyone's big question was this. Who's going to take over from Terry? And it was a big question. We're kind of like, oh, I don't know if there is anyone that takes over from Terry. He's so unique as a father to this movement. And what Terry felt in the leadership team is, we're not going to replace Terry. One, it's just too big. There's only one. But Terry said, I'm going to release someone. And this is where it gets a little bit administratively complicated. So you administrators, you don't like this at all. Okay. Terry said, I'm going to release sons, and every one of them, and they're all going to do it. Apostolic teams, evangelists, prophets, pastors, teachers, apostles, all working together. Different countries, different relationships. I'm going to release them all under the banner of New Frontiers, but every one of those teams can come up with their own name for the sphere of influence that they're working towards. So with us, Gary and Ann Simpson, Christ Central, it's Commission, it's New Ground, so many different ones. So administratively, it's a bit of a nightmare. But 
strategically and relationally, it brings so much freedom. We're not trying to build a big infrastructure that becomes just so clumsy. Why? Why is that? And your teams are able to work together. And so recently, Angela and I were able to go to what I call our global gathering, which is all those New Frontiers families coming together. And so we were in Cyprus just a couple of weeks ago, so we thank you for the honor of being able to go and represent us and across Canada. And for the last two years, I was on the task team, and one of the parts of that team was looking at how can we as these peers work better together. So I was on a team representing Zimbabwe, Kenya, India, England, the United States, Canada, and Ukraine. So I was the one who sacrificed and did the 4 a.m. Zoom calls because of all our different time zone differences. But for the last few years, we've been working together, and this past year, or this past couple of weeks, we were able to be together to be able to share and be together with our family. And in a couple of weeks' time, I helped gather our new Frontiers family here in Canada. So we have five of those different peers working together here in Canada. And so we're gathering those leaders in Montreal in a couple of weeks' time, and I help facilitate that gathering. Because we're all just ones and twos here in Canada. It's early days, and we need each other across these different spheres. And so we'll be gathering together in Montreal just to build relationships. Rich Crosby, who spoke here a couple of weeks ago, will be one of those as part of our family of churches. What I thought would be good, Angela, why don't you come? And maybe we have a mic there from Ollie. Why don't you come? And I just thought it would be good for Angela maybe just to bring a couple of highlights from our time in Global together. So we had probably about 300 different leaders from all these different spheres, and we had over 90 nations represented. So it was more than just Swahili that we had to learn. We were learning a lot of different languages. So Angela, why don't you share with us? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie, we were in Cyprus. It was beautiful. <laughs> um, so the re- I can't remember if you just said this, but the main, one of the main reasons they gather is in mm-hmm. Cyprus, which is very close to Israel. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Geography is not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. And so when we got there and I looked on Google Maps and I'm like, oh, it's only this much water mm-hmm. between where we are and mm-hmm. where they was a lot of stuff that was just sending. I was like, okay. I didn't know that. There was no conversations about it not being safe. And so, I mean, obviously it's far enough away. But it was pretty um, humbling to be there. Cyprus is beautiful, uh, 35 degrees, so it was nice. I was quite happy to be there. We were in a hotel most of the time in Newton. But we did get to the side a little bit. When, so... So just to give a little background, so the reason that they choose Cyprus is largely because of visas um, for the, Joe mentioned the 90 nations that are represented, Cyprus is one of the easier places to get a visa to go to no matter where you're from, which is one of the reasons also nobody wants to come to Canada because <laughs> it's too cold. So um, most of the countries are warmer than ours, so Cyprus was a great pick. Um, but it was 13 hours in the air of, mm-hmm. of travel, so it was long and tiring. And when we got there, where we go to um, this place in Cyprus, you land at the airport, and then we had to drive up on that, I forget, whatever. Where we were going was just like a regular uh, resort. So not everybody at the resort was part of Global. So you, so you get a kind of picture. So this... This was kind of an amazing moment. So we, we landed at the airport. We're getting our luggage. All we know is we're going to the guy that has the sign that says Rainbow Tours because they were the company that was organizing. And, but I didn't know if that was just us as part of Global. Were there other people part of Rainbow Tours that were just taking that bus to get there? So we're in the airport, and we're getting our stuff, and we're looking at all the welcome signs, and there's the Rainbow Tours, and there's a couple other people standing there, and we're all like, hi, hi. And I'm like, I don't know if they're part of Global. Like, so I didn't want to be like, is it not so good? And then be like, oh, what's up with you? So, so we only did that a couple of times. Yeah. So we're kind of standing there, and we're like, oh, hey. And then you, eventually you're like, so what do you do? Oh, you're, oh, you're part of Global? Okay, I'm too. And so then you got to pick up this whole conversation. The first lady that we met, without even, the conference hasn't even started. I didn't literally even know if she was part of Global. Her name was Donna, and she 
is from Burundi. She is from England, living in Burundi. And we were, so we had about an hour on this little bus of driving and sharing each other's stories. And it, it blew me away because we've, in the times that we've been involved with New Frontiers and, and the Christ Central Spheres and everything, and, and with our Ahuka Greater Extended Family, we've never connected with anybody from Burundi other than our friends that are, are here. So we've, I know Joe's tried to connect Kenyanga with people in different parts of Africa to kind of work together, but we've never been able to find somebody who is doing it on the ground, part of our family of churches that get what we're talking about from Burundi. And then the, the thing hasn't even started yet. And we home. We're, we're like, we can go home now. Like, it was remarkable. So now we've been making these connections because I know Pamela and Kenyanga have been trying to find a way to work in Burundi with us, and it was just kind of an amazing yeah. moment um, then. So I will just very quickly, because I'm, I, anyway, I'm not really sure what I'm saying. So if anybody ever wants to see, there was a global, I did bring this home if anybody wants to flip through it at any point. Um, we met every day um, that we were there. Uh, there were speakers, there was worship. It was wonderful to be with the nation. We have this guy, the speaker, the main speaker, his name is Bob Roberts. Robert Roberts, but he went by Bob. <laughs> that just was funny to me. Um, he uh, is an American and was just kind of like saying it like it is and was very freeing and very challenging. So what he does on a national, uh, not a national, on a, on a world stage, on a global stage, is he goes and speaks in basically volatile situations in an attempt to bring religious freedom. Um, that's kind of a summary. So, obviously, a Christian loves Jesus, but his goal, so he was actually involved in a lot, and still is stuff that's going on in Israel presently, uh, a lot of racial stuff in the U.S., um, a lot between Muslims and Christians, where he is in the U.S. as well. And he wants to go, and God's just gifted him. He goes into these situations and has quite a lot of humor, um, but is enabling these far-apart belief systems to come and find common ground. Because with the goal of that, if there is religious freedom, then it's going to give Christians freedom to keep speaking about Jesus. But seeing the value in how it changes communities instead of government clamping down. That's the summary. Yep. He was, so I've, I've heard a lot of preachers over my years, and I, I'm sure nobody else does this. Sometimes I do this. I have never listened to somebody that I was like, please do not stop talking. He just, like, and I mean, I love my husband. <laughs> Mark, you're great. Gary, you do go on. No, I'm just <laughs> he, it was it was riveting because I I was I loved so much how he just didn't really care what you thought, so he was just saying stuff. And what largely he was talking about were global trends in the world. So he had also like a mind that was seeing things globally, and we in North America are very North American, is the way. And it was very refreshing to hear. He, so basically, he was saying, here are the global trends in the world, social media, um, platforms, uh, what, I don't know, I don't have them off the top of my head. But he was saying the issues, government, uh, dysfunction, money, all of the global issues, and how is that affecting the church today? And so how is it that churches are are being affected by these trends. So it actually was a very discouraging word at the beginning. And then he made us wait till the next day. And then he brought, how can we then counter some of those things? So I won't go into that. I, I will just end by saying some one-liners that um, uh, really impacted me. That made, literally made me go, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But, like, do I even love Jesus? <laughs> one guy, um, Susie from Dubai, said, Jesus never left anyone feeling indifferent 
you either loved him and wanted to follow him, or you wanted to kill him. So when Jesus encountered people, nobody left feeling indifferent. It was a strong love or a strong hate. And I'm like, I don't do that. I don't affect people that way. So I want Jesus in me to affect people. I don't want everybody to hate me, but I want to, you know, like you want to go, okay, I, Jesus in that situation affected people. Another one. Don't be so self-centered as to expect to see fruit in your time. Plant seeds and have a view to the future. Uh, this was also Fusi said. This one impacted me, and I thought, okay, for us as a church here in this neighborhood, if we really believe God brought us to this place for an intentional purpose, because little side, it's cold in here. Do you know why? Because the heat doesn't work. Do you know why? Because of renovations. Do you know why we can't get the renovations done? Because the city is tying up our permits. I love my city. I love those people that are working hard, but can I, can I go another step further? <laughs> I'm gonna. The reason our renovations are tied up right now is because of parking spots. It has nothing to do with our renovation, but because of parking spots and needing a permit for parking. So I'm like, okay, so all of that just makes me insane. So this is the quote. Church is the authority because Jesus gave his authority to the church. Exercise this in the community and dark places because his church carries his authority. We're not jerks. We're not mean. But, God, if you put us in this neighborhood and you want us as your body to impact the community that we're in, we are carrying the authority of Jesus because Jesus' plan was for his church. That's how his plan was to affect communities. So I want to believe, God, that we are carrying your authority. So in the name of Jesus, give us that permit so we can get our parking sorted out, so we can get the renovation, so we can have heat, so we can bless the community. And it's, it's changing the mindset. Okay, we are walking. If we believe God is with us and we are his body, then we walk with the authority that Jesus has given his church. And it's cold. So we want heat. I don't think I have any time. I probably do. I could ramble about all stuff. It was great. So thanks to everybody for allowing us to go. Great. Thank you. That's all right. The last thing to sum up, I would said, is, as Angela said, Realize that we here in the West, in Canada, North America, we and our churches are probably some of the least using trust in the world right now. And there is no suffering and persecution where it's the greatest need of God. But here are dear friends from India, Pakistan, places we want to be share what's going on here in Canada and U.S. Believe it or not, to a person, every one of those people would not say where they are to release Because they know here in Canada it's comfortable. You can really do really well in life This morning, just 
to share a bit of our story, share that we started in a move of the Holy Spirit, that we believe Jesus birthed this church, and he sees this church. And one of our key foundational values is the Holy Spirit empowering the church. And so some of us, you'll hear it a lot, in the North Congregation, the whole biblical thing, we've got the Garden of Eden, through the Ark of the Covenant, we go through the tent of meeting, we go through the tabernacle, we go through the temple, God's presence with his people, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus tabernacled with us, it manifests our presence, Jesus died on the cross, risen, ascended, glorified, sent his Holy Spirit, Sometimes you go, oh, God's here. Our heart is every day we go, and we gather together for everyone in God. We want the tangible presence of God. Yes, when we're here, but Jesus said, as you go and make disciples, I am with you. Well, here we are. And guess what? Half an hour later, that one's a different shade. Remember how dry that one? Did you guys see that in the lights when I threw it and all the dust went everywhere? This one, different shape, different sizes, but soaking the season. Folks, this is just a picture. I want to play with this Holy Spirit. And sometimes you call that, the first time that happens, you call it baptism in the Spirit. But we're still, sometimes that happens at salvation. As we see in the Bible, sometimes we give our lives to Christ and we're filled, we're baptized, we're immersed in the Holy Spirit. We know that we're a child of God. God empowers us and emboldens us to be a witness. Sometimes that happens the second time. Sometimes we become a Christian. That was my experience. God's Spirit is put in us, a deposit guaranteeing. We can't be a Christian if we don't have the Spirit of God in us. But I wasn't immersed, filled, baptized, drenched in the Holy Spirit. Perhaps with you. Either way, we want everyone filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what it, here's what happens: is that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, Trevor, you can get ready. You ready, Mark? You want to catch this one? You ready? Did you see the water on that one? Did you hear what she said? filled with the Holy Spirit, honestly, you leave a mark everywhere you go. You do. There's a trail of God that you leave a mark everywhere you go. Isn't that right, Jesus? Everywhere you go. Jason, you're okay. Come over here, Pastor. Are you good? Mark, are you here? Are you galaxies? Hello? Yeah, I've just walked around once and I'm almost out of water. So, we say, Lord, fill me again. I'm in God's Word. I'm praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm in life group. People pouring into me. I'm in God's Word. Here on Sunday morning, I'm with a corporate body. Everywhere I go, God, I want to leave a mark for you. God, fill me. I'm dry. God, fill me again. And I'm going to go this way this time. And say, God, I'm going to leave a mark everywhere I go. I want your kingdom to come, even through dry, broken me. Isn't that right, Aiden? Yeah. Isn't that right? I want to leave a mark. kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. And everywhere I go, I want to 
within the kingdom of God. Jeez, you're looking really hope. You're looking a little. Lord, in New Brunswick, God. Oh, God, have mercy, Lord. 